This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Back in, you were listening to the January 12, 2018 Divisional Playoffs edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart, at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a contributor here at The Viz, and more importantly, he's the Air Yards guy. Check out all his data viz if you're not already at airyards.com. Hit him up on the tweets at Frisco Josh. It is great to have you back on the Mailbag Show. Josh, I normally say what's good here, but I mean, I can we still call you Frisco? Go, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm good, Jeremy. But uh, yeah, I did move. I moved away from California. We're still unpacking from the move. I'm just honestly, I'm happy to be a homeowner again. We got chased out of California by the wildfires in northern California. Then just later, love a good deal. Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store fifty to seventy percent off. Dresses from nineteen ninety nine. Polos from sixteen ninety nine. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Uh, just recently, I think the past month in Montecito and other places in Southern California, folks have been dealing with fires and landslides. There was an earthquake in Oakland about two weeks ago. Look, man, I'm up here in northern Idaho. And I'm happy to get the fuck out of California. My goodness. And I, think, I mean, and I think my wife and kids feel the same way. They are running around the house right now just overjoyed. Overjoyed and carefree. Thoughts and prayers to everybody, you and your family and everybody that was impacted. I, I, I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't even imagine. I was, I was joking before the show. I was just out salting the driveway. That's like, and, and I was bitching about it, right? Like that's, that's so awful to be salting the driveway when there were other people that literally got misplaced. So I, I guess I just need to, to stop and smell the roses or something, as they say, right? Well, I mean, it's always good. It's always good to appreciate what you got. And, uh, and I do that every day. But at the same time, there are people way worse, uh, than anyone where, wherever you're at in life, whatever you're doing. I mean, there were folks next to me who lost everything. Um, but again, they were still alive. I think 14, 17 people just died in the landslides down in Montecito and some, uh, Santa Barbara area. So yeah, there's always, there's always something worse and counting your stars, saying your prayer is always a good thing. This much is true, and that's why, uh, you know, we, we count our blessings here, and we're, we're on the viz right now, and we are doing a fantasy football mailbag show, so we're going to go ahead and do it, and we're going to answer all the questions for the week regarding dynasty trades, player outlooks, playoff takes, start sits, DFS hits, you name it. Before we do dive right in, though, Josh, you've been busy. 
You literally wrote a book or are writing a book. It took me 30 minutes just to shore up the intro to this friggin' show for crying out loud. So now you've set some lofty goals in this book filled with actionable content, of course. What are these goals and what motivated you to bring this to life? I'll just keep it short. I, I, I really just was hoping to have a baseline for which metrics are predictive in football and the NFL specifically. Uh, and, and by predictive, I mean they, they predict one another. They help you uh, forecast the future. And, uh, and I'm hoping that, you know, after we have a baseline for all of these metrics that are out there right now, that when people introduce new ones in the future, that they'll just report, hey, is this thing predictive or is it just descriptive or is it both? And then it'll help people like me and you and everyone else who's trying to figure out who to start in their lineups or how to play DFS or which way to bet. Um, it'll save those guys a ton of work. Anything that's going to save me some uh, week-to-week and day-to-day tilt is is surely good in my book here. Now, you've kicked off some of the books starting off with passing efficiency, and you've identified some great trends and done some phenomenal work putting this into some easily digestible formats as well. Now, can you give a quick rundown of what you found, and uh, do you have any insights yet for this recent season wherein this is maybe the first time in quite a while here we've actually seen a slight decrease in pass attempts and touchdowns is the increase in pace you know, actually keeping the clock running, does that have any impact? You know, we know similarly rush attempts are slightly up. What's going on here? Yeah, sure. So the takeaway from the first part of the book is just simply the depth of target matters. Um, you know, how far is, in, and I'm talking specifically this, the passing game, obviously, but it impacts completion percentage, impact yak, everything to do with the passing game. So if you have a passing efficiency metric that doesn't incorporate depth of target, my takeaway is the metric is fundamentally flawed. So that's a really important thing to highlight and uh, semi-controversial, but I think absolutely can be backed up by the data. My take on 2017 is really that it was just kind of like a QB apocalypse. Uh, even guys that were having MBT, MVP type years like Wentz, they just, they weren't actually efficient. They, there was no Matt Ryan this year, just killing everything. There were no four or five guys in a top tier that were just really, really good at what they were doing. Instead, it was like peak Alex Smith and Case Keenum year. So <laughs> kind of depressing. I expect a, a rebound in 2018. I expect um, the trend line to kind of revert to where it was going, which was increased attempts, increased efficiency. Passing is the way forward in the league, and I don't think that's changing. Anytime you talk about peak seasons, it does not include Tom Brady. It does include Alex Smith and Case Keenum. Something is going awry. Something might be going on here. Uh, everyone, be sure to check out this great content at airyards.com. Of course, you're already using the site on a week-to-week basis in season. So just awesome stuff here. And it's incredible content offered to you literally for free. However, do a solid and think about signing up for the Air Yard Guys uh, Patreon program. He does have available at airyards.com. .com right now, so do that solid. Support the site. As you know, everything we put out here, we do it for the love, we do it for the passion, we do it for the game, we do it for you, we do it for us, so go go on over there, sign up for Patreon.com. And when you're done checking that out, make sure you check out our new sponsor for this week's mailbag show. That's right, folks. We've got SeatGeek. It is SeatGeek Week, and uh, I don't mean to rhyme. It just happens all the time, I guess, but look, I put the SeatGeek app on my phone, wanted to give it a whirl here, 
here, and it's pretty sleek, it's pretty smooth, you can go anywhere, be anywhere, and with just a few button taps, you can instantly find seats, and check this out, I'm actually going to be going to take my son to the Bulls, I, I know it's the Bulls, do I really want to go see uh, when I'm hashtag fire gar packs right now, but I'm going to go to the Bulls game anyway, I think it's on January 28th, and uh, they're going to they're gonna play Milwaukee, I'm, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to potentially, you know, I don't think Jabari Parker is going to be back, but I do want to see, you know, the Greek freak here, ABC, as they say in the DFS world, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think I almost said that correctly, but I want to go see that action. I took my boy to the Windy City D-League Bulls game the last three years in a row, so I figured I may as well take him to the real deal, and I did that. I made that happen with the SeatGeek app, and I got $20 in the meantime, so if you go and do that as well, um, per, put it on our promo code RV Radio. Uh, that's actually going to give you $20 off your SeatGeek purchase. And let me tell you, I mean, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, confusing. There's no better way to buy than SeatGeek. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets every type of live event. As long as I have this app, I'm going to keep using it. I haven't seen Hamilton yet. They're coming to the Chicagoland area. I'm going to go ahead and see that. I'm also a big theater buff. Um, so, you know, it's Chicago. It is just the, the thumping ground for, you know, theater, backstage. I mean, we've got Steppenwolf, Gary Sinise, Laurie Metcalf, all the greats of the world, and I'm literally sitting here in the suburbs not taking advantage of this. So SeatGeek is going to help me out. So again, get that app, get your first purchase in there, and you're going to get $20 off. All right, Josh, let's get into the QQs for the week here. Uh, DFS, quarterback is a tough egg to crack this week. I've basically been zooming in on Case Keenum this week. Salaries are tight, matchups are bad, and I don't really want to spend my cap at quarterback, even for Tom Brady. I've also thought about dropping down to the Nick Foles range, but the Atlanta defense sure seems to be clicking right now. Am I on the right track? I really don't, I don't think so. I think for DFS this week, I think you go with Breeze or Brady. I know, I think you pay up. And I think you, uh, you know, you take your shots on some high variance plays at wide receiver as, as usual. Um, that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much my take for the, uh, for the playoffs. Playoffs are tough. It's really hard to model it. Um, and so I'm really, I just want to stress, I'm coming at this from a, from a highly uneducated perspective. Uh, I don't have any firm data to, to back up my opinions here. This is really just gut stuff. Um, playoffs really are a crapshoot. So what I do is I play the base rate. The base rate says that, TB12 Breeze are going to be good. Yeah, you, you certainly can't go wrong there. And you know they're going to come with inflated ownership on a short slate, and you look at the quarterbacks and you go, oh, gosh, I don't really like the matchups across the board anyway. So inherently you go, yeah, I better go ahead and go with Tom Brady here. And it's interesting because I've found myself wanting to take advantage, like this question, uh, with some of the salary savings here. So I'll probably be going on the GPP route because, you know, if I do leverage a guy like Nick Foles, you know, I can fit the Le'Veon Bell in there despite the matchup. So um, interesting uh slate of games all together here uh next question here we got dynasty is there any value in acquiring a guy like jordan reed on the cheap i saw in neil dutton's article uh that reed can potentially be a, a cap casualty due to the the cap uh versus the the dead money so uh are there also any thoughts on tyler eifert so reed i think i'm done with him and it, you know there's a lot of factors that are that are going to go into it but one of them being the unknown at quarterback that's going to either hurt or help him, whatever that ends up being. If he leaves, if Cousins leaves, who knows? Um, but I think it coming into the season, you could have said, you could have made a legit case that his injuries were rando, right? It's just kind of a random thing. But I don't think you can do that now. And, and I'm a guy who's sitting here saying, I've looked at injuries in depth 
Um, and I, I, I think there is a slight signal. Um, if a guy has multiple seasons of, uh, multiple unhealthy seasons, multiple seasons with soft tissue industries, uh, injuries or, um, where he continues to hurt the same areas over and over and over again, there is a signal there. And so what I would say is that at this point, unless his ADP or his value drops well below like eight healthy weeks of his past production, I'm out. Um, I want to get him on the cheap. I want to get him to like six healthy weeks of past production. That way, if he does put up another season like, like he did this year, um, yeah, I think, you know, if, if you get 12 healthy weeks out of him, you'd call it a huge win. Um, for the risk, I think that's the way to roll with Reed. Eifert is kind of a similar thing. He doesn't have quite the injury history, but still has been compiling one, but I don't think, I'm as uh, out on him in terms of his injury. I think he's, he's a, again, an athletic marvel, and uh, um, he's paired in a good offense if it can turn itself around um, um, in terms of, you know, it, it, the skill positions there over there in the Bengals are pretty good. And I think you know, they missed him this year. Um, and uh, they really just, I think they need a, a coaching change, unfortunately, and uh, <laughs> are, not, are not going to get it. Um, but I, I do think he comes back. That offense does look a little different. I, I'm still buying Eifert. Only in the NFL do you need a coaching change, and you, you get the coaching change you don't want. You get the same thing that you had. Oh, it's a beautiful, horrible thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on both Reed and Eifert here. I think you know if, if you're trying to sell them, you're you're not going to be able to get enough. If you're trying to buy them, you're 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 paying more than you actually want to pay for them. I feel like the only market potentially this off season that you'll probably get these guys at a, at a discount that you feel good about, believe it or not, might be in a startup draft in Dynasty. This is when you start to see guys like this fall more so than they should you're going to get the hype from the rookie guys coming out and the second year players that are going to uh, bolster up their ADPs and guys like this slip uh, you, you, not injury related but we saw this with somebody like Eric Ebron where people just leave him out for dead I don't even remember where it was in startup I feel like I got him in like the 13th round or something stupid like that right, right so right. yeah so those these are the type of guys where if you're in a startup market I think you might be able to take a look at these types of guys uh, playoffs so the playoff league I'm in uh, resets every single week, similar to, say, uh, a DFS lineup each week, and then the total points are added at the end. There's 25 people in the league, and I'm currently tied for 15th. No thanks to Tyreek Hill, instead of using Ted Ginn as my wide receiver three. Do I stay the course and still try and set the best lineup, or do I already need to try and go for a guy that maybe the other guys at the top aren't taking? Uh, there are no restrictions. We simply start one quarterback, two running back, three wide receiver, one tight end, one defense. So does he have to go contrarian yet? Similar to, you know, like what we do with the, the, the Fantasy Labs contest every week. Like if you're halfway through the season and you're looking at those plays of the week, you start to maybe have to go off the board. Is, is he at that point yet? Well, I mean, if you're 15th out of 25, uh, it's, it's tough to answer the question. I don't even know if you have a chance at this point. Um, if you don't, or if this chance is like a 5% shot, a 3% shot, then yeah, I mean – Go go for all the high variance guys, but Tyreek Hill is a high variance guy, and Ted Ginn, you know, he just did Ted Ginn things. Um, it's it, it, it's it's impossible sometimes to predict uh, to the week when those things are going to happen. You can get a little bit of a a signal uh, out of it, and something I do with my air yards by lows, but uh, in the playoffs, it's just you just don't know. So, uh, if the question is how should you approach your lineup, yes, high variance. You're you're fifteenth out of twenty five. Start Ginn and Tyreek Hill if you can. Um, start all the high variance wide receivers, the guy that get deep 
have have high A dots that get deep targets, um, and hopefully that you connect on those. Um, when it comes to the defense, you're going to want to go ahead and 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 pick uh, the defense that you think is going to get the turnovers, and that's almost impossible to predict. Uh, but you know, it could be something interesting. You want to pick a defense that's going against a, a team that passes a lot. That that's one way to to get those interceptions, even if they're not typically a good defense. Uh, anyone playing Blake Bortles is probably a good play. Um, at, at QB, you know, I wouldn't get cute. Just like I said before, I would go with a Breezer Brady. They're probably going to score the most touchdowns. And then with the, the running backs, um, there, you definitely don't want to get cute. You just want to, you start your best guys. Again, I, I'm not sure I totally understood the question. Uh, this is a very esoteric league that I'm looking at here. Um, and I'm not sure if everyone's available or not, but, uh, um, that's kind of how I would approach it. Yeah, and I think the one thing missing with this question is we don't really know what the other teams are doing. And he mentions he's tied for 15th here. How many people is he tied for 15th? And I only ask that because, you know, last week when you look at the slate of games, you had, um, you know, you had Julio Jones, you had Michael Thomas, and then I, I feel like it would have been chalky even in the 25-person league that a bunch of people took – took Tyreek Hill as the wide receiver three, but at least with the information that we have to your point, Josh, um, it looks like everyone's available and they're just setting a lineup every week. So if they don't have any other restrictions or salary caps or anything like that, I feel like there's a bunch of people that had that similar Mike Thomas, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, and then there were a few that, that diverted and went Ted Ginn over Tyreek Hill. So, so if that's, if that is the case, I think maybe there's one more in this hypothetical, of course, there's one more week this week where I think you can quote unquote go optimal and try to build your best lineup. Um, but this questionnaire, sort of whatever we call the question, the question asker. Yeah. <laughs> He'll know more than us. So there you go. If, if, if it's just you and 15th, you got a long road ahead to, to Josh's point, you're going to want to go high variance. And if it's uh, a bunch of people still right there, then go ahead and set that opti. All right. Jo- uh, Josh, what's your biggest tilt of the season? Whether it's a season long dynasty, DFS, real football, you name it. Yeah, I mean, it, it had it had to be Amari Cooper. He, he started so hot, and then he went cold, and then he put up that forty point game that was just glorious, <laughs> and then he went cold again. And look, I think he bounces back next season, especially with Gruden in, and potentially Crab's gone, but mostly just because of variance. I mean, he's better than his results this season, even if you just discount talent completely. If you just look at volume, he underperformed volume. So. Um, if you buy the idea that volume is a signal of talent, and I do 100%, um, you should be expecting great things from Amari Cooper next year. And that's over and above all the narrative, over and above the Gruden narrative, over and above the, the <laughs> narrative with Krabs being gone. So uh, I think he's a huge buy low. You, you just took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, so wait a minute. Let me just make sure I got this correct. So so we should follow the volume in our Amari Cooper and not the narrative that John Gruden is going to come in and potentially put him in the slot. <laughs> in the slot. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's ludicrous. I, I don't know. Like, so, so one thing I do buy is that if you look at Gruden's teams, he really does want to funnel to his number one wide receiver, and he can make a legit wide, uh, wide receiver too into someone who's fantasy relevant. So uh, coaches do have an impact on wide receiver production because they choose the plays and they choose the play and route depths. And then they tell the quarterback how to make his reads. So there's definitely a connection there between the coach and wide receiver production. I don't discount that. But in a lot of ways, um, you know, you know, buying just based on that can be 
can be uh, uh, a fool's errand. And, and I think that the major thing you want to listen to, the major signal you want to follow is that they, they toss this guy lots of balls, lots of targets at lots of very deep depths, and he just did not respond. Um, and, and, and again, he didn't respond like he didn't have a, a year like uh, Zay Jones, right? You know, um, I, in fact, I think uh, Crabtree had more drops than him this year. I, I mean, just crazy stuff. So it was just it was a weird year. He when he did drop the ball, sometimes it was in the end zone. He had a few uh, zeros uh, for fantasy in a couple weeks just because of crazy things happening. So, uh, yeah, next year is going to be good for Mark Cooper. Targets are the lifeblood, as they say. Uh, DFS, next one here. I'm assuming at this point in cash games, you insert Le'Veon Bell and Deion Lewis and work from there. Do either Latavius Murray or Jarek McKinnon warrant flex consideration or even Jay Ajayi. Derek Henry has to get the script out of action, right? Uh, what do you, what do you say on this one? So Derek Henry at this point, just based on volume, I mean, he, he's going to be chalky as heck as well here. So, I mean, yeah, you're looking at Bell, you're looking at Lewis, Lewis, you're looking at Henry, and then you're, you're filling out from there. Uh, are you deviating? You know, this is the type of matchup where Jarek McKinnon, I feel like, can get going, you know, and, and not a lot of people are going to be on him because it, when you look at the game logs, he hasn't really been involved, but these have been positive scripts for Latavius Murray here as of late. Um, so I, I do like someone like McKinnon here. What say you? I like McKinnon. He was good for three quarters of the year and fell off at the end when Murray came on. And so. The question is, how are they gonna, how are they gonna proceed in this, you know, huge playoff game? And so, I, I kind of think Minnesota's gonna take the game. And if that's right, then the play is Murray. And, uh, um, if you can get him at a low ownership in the playoffs, relatively low ownership, then I think he could be a difference maker for you. Damn. I would certainly take him above Ajayi. And I think I'd be fading Henry. And uh, we can get to this later, but, the reason why I would fade Henry is, and, and I know there are there's data to support the idea that even when they load the box against him, that he's still effective, and that he got lots of yards when he was facing stacked boxes. But at the same time, I do not think that teams have been preparing for Derrick Henry. I don't. It was through the entire season they kept on trotting out Murray, even with a gimpy leg. He was he was like running on on at half speed, and I uh, watching some of his tape, and he just looked. He looked like a shell of himself, and yet the coaches still didn't trust Henry. And so I, I, I get the, I get the, there's a sense that I have that coaches weren't weren't preparing for Henry. They weren't preparing because they just didn't see any kind of conviction on the on the part of the Titans to actually make him uh, a heavy part of the uh, the game plan. And, and if that changes, um, then the other coaches will adjust. And, and I don't think he'll be as effective, regardless of those numbers I just quoted about him being good against uh, men in the box, you know, stack boxes of eight or more. So that's a long way of saying I would fade Henry. I think I would I load up a little bit more on Murray and maybe a sprinkle of McKinnon just to uh, kind of piggyback on what you were saying with him. Yeah, this is where you, this is where it's, it's playoffs. You gotta take a stand here. And I mean, if you're gonna go in and if he, if he is that chalky and I get it, like sometimes you just want to block, but this, this fits the bill for bad chalk. They are 13 and a half point dogs here. And I get that he's got the volume and he can be effective. We, we still, you know, we've seen that one scamper for 60 something yards, but I mean, I just, I don't understand why you follow the chalk in this one. And I'm the cash game guy, right? When the 13 and a half point 
white dogs. Uh, there's a total of 48, you know, minus 24. That's going to give them what? Like they're expected for two touchdowns and maybe a field goal off the top of my head, uh, if that. So I just, I, I don't see why you, you go with Henry here. So, uh, yeah, definitely Bell, definitely Lewis. And, um, yeah, I, I really like Minnesota in, as in general. So I, I might have to follow you and back off on, on McKinnon here. Yeah, they're going to have the positive game script. I guess that does tilt the, the pendulum in Murray's favor. All right, Dynasty, there was an ESPN guy that said he couldn't be surprised or wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland traded Corey Coleman because he never really gets involved uh, or didn't get involved. Wasn't he hurt? Didn't his quarterback not do so hot? Uh, this person says they have Coleman in a few leagues. Uh, is he still a hold? Uh, he also has Corey Davis on a few teams, one of, uh, one of which his teams has both Corys. Uh, he might have Corey... Uh, Corey, uh, who are the two Corys in, in action? Corey, Hel- uh, Corey Helm, Corey Feldman, right? <laughs> right. Only one's still alive. The other one is facing some, uh, some pretty serious charges at this point. Yeah. You oh, don't want to be a Corey, I guess, is basically the takeaway <laughs> here. Coleman, uh, what he broke his hand in week three of the previous year, he broke it in week two. I think that's right. He keeps breaking his hand. That's fluky. Okay. So we talked earlier about, uh, <laughs> Some of the injury analysis I did that that's fluky. Breaking your fingers is not something that you can ever like label some guy injury prone for that. Um, at the same time, he now has the specter of Josh Gordon and him eating up a bunch of volume, um, uh, you know, kind of staring him in the face. He still got a terrible head coach. And now we have this huge kind of unknown, which is the front office. And do they want to just blow up everything the previous? Um, um, admin did with a Sashi, under Sashi Brown's leadership. Uh, I think a couple people, including the new GM, said that they had no playmakers. Uh, that includes Corey Coleman. So yeah, he could go. I think it would be a mistake. I think Corey Coleman is one of the top prospects to come out of uh, the minors in, you know, since uh, Amari Cooper. So uh, Corey Coleman, Amari Cooper, Corey Davis are the top wide receivers to come out of college football in the past three or four years. I don't think there's any reason to give up on them yet. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I would hold on all of them, but I do think there's a, there's definitely potential for, uh, Coleman to, uh, to move on for somewhere else, get traded for something, uh, to hopefully uh, a better situation for him. Yeah, I'm still on all these Corys. Um, don't, don't trade away the Corys, guys. Just keep them on your team. I, I'm with you though that, you know, and there's another question later in the outline. I'll just go ahead and skip to it now here because it makes sense, uh, inherently here. Uh, does what happened in Cleveland speak louder about the NFL in general or is it more isolated to Cleveland? It just seems weird that this happened and was a precursor to teams bringing back old talent. That's, of course, you know, the joke out there on the interwebs right now is, uh, the, the NFL recycling coaches and whatnot. So, I mean, I, what, what's your pulse on this one, right? Like, uh, uh, Dorsey, whoever comes into Cleveland now, they, if they do just pull apart everything, you know, that they, they built together, which was a damn good roster, and are, are they just going to somehow chalk this up? And now we've got the narrative that, yep, see, analytics don't work in the NFL, and that's where we're headed now. And it just, like, are we going to have to wait another five years for somebody to come in and attempt to do this again? Yeah. So, I mean, Evan Silva talks about the cocoon and I think, I think it's a real thing. I think he's got it. It's the perfect, perfect word to to just kind of sum up the whole deal. Um, it's risk aversion and even Bill, Bill Belichick, he requires that all his hires be at least failed college football players. Right. And 
And so here we are. We have Sashi Brown. He just he did the analytics uh, uh, movement dirty, man. He did it no favors. He he not only tried to change how the game was structured and played from the front office, but he also tried to bring in a new culture. And it was a culture the football guys didn't understand and didn't respect. And they they respect grinders. They respect leather assers. Just sit there all night. And Sashi just he just didn't roll that way. He didn't conduct himself as an all night leather asser. So he also. He he also screwed up that trade right at the trade deadline, something fierce, and and that was the beginning of the end. But when you roll all that together, what it what it turns out to have done is to reinforce inside the NFL's cocoon that analytics and people that aren't football guys, that aren't lifers, right, who didn't come up within the system and understand the culture, live and breathe it, that they don't get it and they won't be successful. And it has very little to do with analytics, but analytics are getting lumped in with all of that. And it really is a shame. Shameful and unfortunate confirmation bias. Oh gosh, this is just, it's, it's saddening. It's disheartening. And we move on to something more positive, like your favorite fantasy football memory ever. <laughs> so about three years ago, I joined a lead with Matt Kelly of Roto Underworld and it was a league using Matt's rules, but another guy was commissioning it. And the, the guy was named, Ewok Juggernaut on Twitter, if you want to follow him. His real name's Russ. He's a real sweetheart, but he punted year one, and he had just a terrible team. He had all these you know, rookies and no-name players and, like, uh, you know, Jeff Janis types. And so he, he just had a terrible team. And But one of the rules that Matt threw into his bylaws that, again, this guy, Ewok Russ, was the commission of was that the lowest-scoring team gets booted from the league at the end of the year, <laughs> total Matt Kelly rule, right? So like Matt five, I, I mean, excuse me, week five, I'm, uh, I'm talking to him on league chat and I'm, I'm saying, Hey, you know, uh, this is kind of crazy, but you're the commission, but you could, wow, you could get booted at the end of the year. And it turns out that Russ didn't actually read the rules. He commissioning a league <laughs> that he didn't read the rules for and he ended up getting booted out of his own league. Amazing. That uh, was that was peak fantasy football for me. <laughs> That's just classic right there. It's one of those things that, yeah, there's nothing more important than reading the bylaws. I remember a few years back I went into a 32-team, just just massive salary dynasty league, right? I was looking forward to it. And I ended up leaving the league mid-draft um, because it was one of those things. It was I did read the rules, and I there was not anything that said you couldn't take your, your first-year salary guys or whatever and throw them on the taxi squad. So in, in, in essentially what I was doing was I was hiding salary cap in the, in the taxi. I, I pulled a Belichick there, Josh. I must say it was pretty ingenious. It's like one of the smartest things I've ever done in my life because I'm not that smart. And, uh, they, you know, they, they called me out on it. They said I couldn't do it. I said, well, it, it's not written in the bylaws here that I, I can't sign these guys and put them on the taxi because you do say I'm allowed to put first and second year guys on the taxi. That's exactly what I've done. So they didn't realize that I could sign a rookie or two and sign them to exorbitant over you know contracts to, to bulk up there uh, so long story short i got the refund and i got out of the league because uh they shouldn't have kicked me out it was in the rules right so you know it's one of those things where was i in the right or was i in the wrong who knows it's up to uh, you you know i think it's one of those things where uh the league the folks in the league will get mad and get all butthurt about it but at the end of the day we are really trying to find edges and the rules of the game matter and the rules of the game in the NFL 
are always stretched to the very limit. And we should be trying to do the same thing and try and find inefficiencies in the games we play. And that's part of the fun. And if you don't like it, get the fuck out. Yep. And just don't go and call it out like Sean McVay. I mean, you had a good thing going there, pal, chap. Uh (laughs) Seriously, what was that all about? (laughs) Next one is uh, Fuck, Mary Kill. Uh, I called this the NFL's overfilled recycle bin, but we'll just go ahead and piggyback off of Evan and we'll say the cocoon. So here we go. John Gruden, Norv Turner, and Marvin Lewis. And I put runner-up here, potentially Jim Schwartz, because he may or may not have a job coming up in Philadelphia here, so they say. Mm. I'll just go with the three that we know for sure. So fuck Norv on many levels. Kill Marvin. God, he's terrible. And Mary Gruden. And the only reason why I'm marrying Gruden is that anyone worth $100 million is worth gold digging for. <laughs> you got a pretty solid point there. Like, nothing else matters at that point. You don't have to be happy. You've got $100 million. Make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Keeper. It's never too early for a keeper question, right? Good grief. Uh, we can only keep two and you forfeit the round drafted. So we've got Todd Gurley in the second, DeAndre Hopkins in the third, Kareem Hunt in the seventh, or Derek Henry in the ninth. I would go Nuke and Hunt. So toss back Gurley. I really don't think that, pardon me, I really don't think LA is going to be as efficient um, as they were this year. Next year, in a large, a large probably due due to what you just mentioned, they were really, really uh, kind of bolstering Goff's ability to read at the line of scrimmage, his pre-snap reads, because he had a coach in his ear. When that went away, uh, a lot of people have done some statistical studies to show that their uh, total yardage through the passing game dropped precipitously. Um, I also don't think that the dead count balance that, that Gurley saw this year. Um, I, 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 I get that dead cat bounce. That's not the right term. He is a good player. And, uh, this was probably closer to his true talent, um, than the previous season. However, um, I don't think he's going to repeat. So Hunt in the seventh is a great value. Nuke in the third is a tremendous value considering you're not going to see him go out of the first round next year. Um, and Henry, for the reasons I mentioned previously, is a guy I'll probably be fading at his price value ADP next season even though he's in the ninth yeah this is a i yeah this is funny i, I definitely like seventh for for hunt ninth for henry you know I, he's gonna be what a fifth round pick next year so i think he probably got four rounds baked in there so i don't think there's a wrong answer here i mean Gurley's obviously gonna be a top three pick that's just the way the fantasy community works right so i don't think there's a wrong one but yeah nuke in the third for that target volume and hunt in the seventh is pretty solid there and this is the type of analysis you're going to be getting all off season long here taking a look at individual player evaluations taking a look at the rookie content uh just the team going strong right now with free agent write-ups for all the teams who's in who's out who could potentially be on the bubble all that right now if you're not on the site viewing that you can be for a 30 percent discount just go to rotaviz nfl pass uh take a look at the podcast click on the home page uh that's rotaviz.com slash podcast sign up there and boom you're going to get 30 percent. and that's not just for the remainder of the year in the off season that's a calendar year so you're going to get a full 365 through uh the rest of that uh year subscription so go ahead and do that and it also supports this very pod and if you haven't already supported this pod by subscribing to it and rating on the road of his radio channel on itunes uh do us a solid hit that rate button and give us some positive feedback uh for putting up that show for you every single week and of course if you have any questions you want answered on the show we're going to be going for a few more weeks here this uh season so hit us up road of his radio at gmail.com and we'll go ahead and
can get those answered for you as well. All right, Josh, the next one up here, we got Dynasty. What's the best way to take an existing league and get everyone to buy into and convert to a super flex? Everyone, of course, already has quarterbacks rostered, but now some that have overspent on quarterbacks when they should have been pairing cheap quarterbacks, so on and so forth, and playing matchups are now going to have a clear advantage. What do you, what do you got on this one? This is kind of kind of tough. Yeah, I honestly don't know. I can take your leave two QB Superflex myself. I don't think it adds all that much to the game. In the situation you're describing, there will be people who will be definite winners and losers, um, and you'll be picking them by this rule change. I think what you would have to do if you're instituting Superflex is throw everyone back in a kitty, uh, do a, a new draft, uh, basically, uh, you know, probably by the same rules that you do your rookie draft. However you seed things uh, currently, I would reseed things in the same way and have everyone redraft their QBs if you're going to move the Superflex. It's probably the only way I can imagine it working with an existing league. But again, I don't know that you need to make this move. Um, I think the idea of having a deep, deep uh, pool of available quarterbacks to go ahead and stream makes um, season-long fantasy a lot more interesting from my perspective. It makes it a little bit more like DFS, where you can play matchups, grab guys that are going to have decent weeks, um, I understand that there's a, a level of skill involved with deep benches and being able to project the future and getting guys on your on your squad and being able to evaluate young talent. Um, but at the end of the day, people aren't really good at that. And uh, what you're really doing is you're just embracing variance. Um, and the real skill is in handicapping games that are coming up and using recent data to project the future. Um, and so I think that's much more interesting way to play the game. So I am not sold on Superflex. I think I would just leave it at one QB. Fair enough, and good feedback across the board indeed. I will say if uh, if this person is going to make the switch, whether it be to Q, two QB or Superflex, um, there, there's a couple ways that, that you could potentially go about this here. You could um, just set a date two or three years from now and just throw the stake in the ground and say, hey, you know, if, like, if, if you're the commissioner and this is what you really want to do, right? I mean, hey, all the more power to you. It's your league. Uh, you got a good enough rapport with the, the guys in the league and you think they're bought in for the most part, then go ahead and do it just throw a stake in the ground and say hey we're doing this two seasons from now um so start planning accordingly or maybe three seasons from now i, I feel like two should be fair uh, i like you know you said you could redraft i think another potential option that you could do is basically take everyone's quarterbacks throw them back into the pool right and then based on quarterback performance or fantasy points per game or whatever you know you could you know assign a, a redispersal draft if you will and basically give the top performers who had the best QBs, the, the 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 first pick in that dispersal draft, so on and so forth. So maybe a maybe a creative way to go about that as well. Um, all right, next one. Moving on. DFS. Who are you using at tight end this week? I want to use Gronk, but I can't seem to afford him unless I fade Bell. I like Delaney Walker most weeks, and I think this week is no different. And uh, I think he'll be reasonably priced. You can fit him in most lineups, uh, squish him in there. Um, so that, that, that would be the guy I'd be going with. Gronk, Gronk's fine. He's great. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're going to be wanting to, um, to get Bell in your lineups, I don't think you can go with him. Yeah. Yeah. Good call there. I think, um, I think 
Delaney's got to be the play here when you really think about it projection-wise and taking a look at the targets. I mean, it's not going to be that far off from Gronk. I mean, sure, you're maybe looking at a, a what, a point seven or point eight touchdown to a point four touchdown for Delaney there. So I, I get it, but, you know, it also comes at a cost. So I think Delaney, absolutely a, a solid play. I think Kyle Rudolph, despite it not being a positive EV matchup, um, I think Kyle Rudolph, this is the type of week that he's going to have to get involved uh, with the cornerback play on the outside there. Uh, so that should be a pretty decent play as well, but I think you're going to need the cost save this week in particular. Uh, Josh, what was the West, uh, the West, the West job? What's the worst job you ever had? It's a good question. So during college, I worked in a call center for the Sacramento Bee and my job, I went to UC Davis. My job was to keep people from canceling the paper <laughs> and you get a you get a bonus for converting someone, right? So you keep them from canceling. So it didn't take me long to realize that if I just took the list they gave me and like stick them in my drawer and let them age, right? The day before expiration, I would pull them out and my conversion rate would be higher than anyone else. And again, you get, you know, get bonus for that. <laughs> so eventually he got found out and the department manager changed his department policy because that was somehow cheating. Anyway. Finding edges. I, there it is again. <laughs> when they did that, I quit. But yeah, that was the worst job I ever had. You know, you, you, you have, uh, I don't know, gosh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but you have someone who's, you know, doing the job as well as they can, getting the bonuses, mm-hmm. and you change the policy to stop that from happening. It's kind of like the Browns. It's kind of like the NFL. And uh, it's, it's probably not a pool you want to play in. So that was the worst job I've ever had. So true, true story. I did a couple years of retention. Oh, maybe three or four. I want to say between a couple different companies. So right there with you. And it was one of those things before the the compliance department started to get involved. You, you had to get a little creative here and there. You know, sometimes people would call in, and you, you gotta, you know, you gotta play the part, right? So you gotta lean into your keyboard. You gotta make yourself sound really important. You, you might not even be typing anything, but you're punching your keypad just to sound a little bit more important with each thought, right? <laughs> point uh i'll tell you what you know i'm going to be in the office uh, for another couple hours here so if you have any questions give me a call back when you know you're in a call center in a cubicle there is no office so but yeah there's certain things that you can do and uh you you gotta get creative and you're 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 fighting for that bonus it's a dog eat dog world man i mean we're not talking giovanni rabizi and vin diesel and ben affleck boiler room type stuff now that's a different story yeah no i think it was good. It was good to go through that. It was good to live uh, a little bit of that life, even if it was for only three or four months. Um, just to, just to feel that, just to, to feel what that's all about. But yeah, no, this wasn't, you know, coffees for closers, anything like that. This was very laid back. This was the Sacramento Bee. Um, this was, this was not a big deal. I think my boss at the time, he just sat in his uh, office and I think I saw him three or four times in four months. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a bad job though. You know, anything to do with the publishing industry, journalism writ large is uh, is basically a, a bad place to be for the past 20 years. 100. All right, moving on here, Dynasty. Uh, the aforementioned Amari Cooper and Kareem Hunt or Mike Evans and Derek Henry. So we talked about some of these guys already. I like Cooper. I like Hunt. Um, I still like Evans. I'm more skeptical on Henry. He had a great playoff game. And again, I, I kind of suspect it's because teams are looking past him. Um, I saw, again, I saw those numbers suggesting he did some of his best running when the boxes were stacked. So I'm totally open to being wrong on this. When he was in college, he missed a ton of tackles. He broke and missed tackles all up and down. 
And that's my leading indicator for prospect success in the NFL. Um, but I also heavily weight coaching decisions and they let Murray own that job all year. Um, if they thought they had something special in, in Henry, no way that happens in my world. I, unless the coaches in Malark are just completely irrational. And I'm not sure I'd buy that. So of those, of those four, I like Cooper and Hunt and Evans and I would fade Henry. Pardon me. Yeah, this one's tough. I mean, I, I hate to say it. I feel like they were just completely irrational all year. I, I, I have no idea what's going on with the exotic smash mouth. I just feel like sir, surely there's positive regression coming in Tennessee next year. And I think at this point, it's hard to see Henry not being a part of it. So, uh, I, I, basically between Hunt and Henry, you know, I'm going to follow the usage and I still think that that's going to be Hunt. Evans and Amari, it's like, I don't know, you like, you know who I want here? I want Evans and Hunt. That's who I want. But yeah. I, I, I can't have that. So, uh, this is a good one either way. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer on this one. Uh, Brandon Cooks, if he has a good game here, Josh, this question, thinking about selling him, uh, this is Dynasty. I guess it has to be. He hasn't panned out so, uh, this year like he thought he would. So should he sell him if he gets a chance after a good game here? Uh, what can he expect to get in return? I think if you think Brady returns for another year, I'd hold. And it all depends on what you can get out of him, of course, what his value is in your league and, and what his ADP is next season. But uh, he's still very young. He saw 114 targets this season. He's just his, his efficiency measured by racer was well above league average at any depth above 10 yards. And that's where he wins is deep. I think Cooks is solid. Um, yeah. So if, if Brady doesn't go out in a blaze of glory this year and TB12 doesn't just like spike the football after a Super Bowl win and uh, trots off into the sunset, I think uh, I hold Cooks for another year. Um, I think I might even consider holding him, um, even if uh, Brady uh, leaves. Uh, but but I, I doubt that'll happen. So, yeah, I'm sold on Cooks. I think he's solid. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. Send him over to San Fran. That's where I want to play Cooks. <laughs> Oh, boy. Movie within a movie time. Uh, my favorite, Josh. So what we do is we take one movie, we take the cast of characters, we pick them up, we take them out of that movie, and we move them into a completely different movie altogether. What is the new movie, and how does it play out? Yeah, this is rough. So uh, I would take the characters from The Matrix, maybe, and put them in an Inception. So then what? You would basically have a hero inside of a hero inside of a hero or something like that. I mean, the red pill wouldn't actually wake you up in reality. There would be none of that bullshit. You'd be like four levels deep, bruh. It would be like you'd be in the second level with that red pill. So you got to take another red pill. So yeah, I, I think, I think that's, that's my movie within a movie, Matrix and Inception. The red pill and the blue pill becomes a different level. So you take the red pill, you go down a level. You take the blue pill, you go down two levels. And then at that point, something new to the Matrix, you're actually presented with with green and yellow pills, I believe, <laughs> when you get to the fifth level. Hey, well, in true story, Josh, so I'm not even kidding, you're like the fifth person that has mentioned Inception within this question. So it's taken me, because as I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm slow, okay? So it's taken me maybe five times to realize that there is something with which the wording of the question is constructed that is leading people to inherently think about Inception, the movie within a movie. That's what it is, isn't it? It is the movie within the movie. I think that must be it because uh, Inception is a movie about movie making. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. There's some other good ideas. I think someone's 
<laughs> I was talking with some friends about this question. It's pretty funny. Be like, uh, how about we take G.I. Jane, Demi, and Tom Hanks and swap them in a league of their own? No <laughs> crying in the Marines. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> sorry. The, we didn't get anybody taking a, a movie and mixing it with the late night Cinemax movie once this season. So there is that much. So uh, I'm proud of everyone that's coming on the show here. Um, maybe not proud of myself because I'm the one that mentioned it, but we'll move on from there. Dynasty, based on recent NFL trends, um, are you changing the way you target running backs and wide receiver profiles or types in the draft? Do you still try and hit a home run with both a prototypical wide receiver one, for instance, or do you focus more on shifty, high dominator rating type guys? Um, are you also trying to target more Alvin Kamara types as opposed to bruising guys that can can also catch the ball. So interesting question always seems to come up every off season. Sure. Yeah. I'm still looking for the every down bell cow. I mean, he's the guy that doesn't come out because he's can hurt you in multiple ways, right? He can get here through the, through the ground or through the air. And I'm not sold on Kamara repeating his efficiency per touch. I'm not sold on mix and I'm not sold on CMC. And it's not because you know, they're bad players. I think they have great roles and they can excel at what they do, but it's just they haven't proven they can stay on the field all four downs, all three downs, and do it all at the NFL level. And a guy like Hunt, uh, we talked about him numerous times. He's proven he can. Um, he wasn't, didn't score a lot of touchdowns after the first four weeks, but that didn't make him any less effective. They kept him on the field and he's a guy like Le'Veon Bell, like DJ, like uh, he's a guy you want to invest in. He's a guy that's proven it. And I want more players like Hunt. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Just give me the bell calls. Give me, give me. We're we're chasing targets. We're chasing volume. Um, nothing else matters at this point. These are the types of guys that we want on our team. More often than not, it's going to work out. Um, Josh, if you can go anywhere, past, present, future, where or when would you go? I think I would go to the future where the Browns win the Super Bowl because I think at that point there's sure to be no cancer and I can like totally (laughs) biff tan in that shit and grab a gray sports almanac, come back and just own the world. Nicely done. All right, last but not least, we've got the Divisional Weekend NFL Bold Prediction. I feel like you already have one. It's not too popular to be picking Minnesota here. I mean, see, I couldn't just say Minnesota. I had to say Minnesota. 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 Yeah, I think a bold (laughs) prediction, though, is something bold, right? So my bold prediction is Brady's injured in the first quarter. Tennessee not only covers but wins. Oh, man. You know what? It's really not that far-fetched. I mean, like, there's been something off about the Patriots. I get it. Like, they're 13.5-point favorites here, as they should be. But Tennessee, like, what is it about this season that teams just can't put them away? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I can't believe what happened with Kansas City. They had that thing locked up, sewn up. Um so if if they can if they can win a game like that, I think that uh, maybe the stars are aligned. And uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady he's hurting. Uh, whether it's his Achilles, whether it's his shoulder, I'm not sure exactly what's wrong with him. But if he takes a hard enough shot early enough in the game, uh, I don't think there's anything to say that Tennessee it doesn't at least cover that spread. That is a massive spread. So I think they're going to be sending everything they have at uh, TB12 and trying to take him out. I was just going to say, how is TB12 hurting right now? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's clearly oh, yeah, right, yeah. he's getting all the treatment he needs. I mean, 
Guerrero, yeah. I mean, he's got Guerrero. So what else does he need? He's got yeah. the power of positive thinking. He's got avocado uh, ice cream. By the way, did you see Gronk doing that stand-up? I mean, the 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 jokes were almost <laughs> as bad as mine. But like, he's no dummy, man. He's up there. He's he's delivering his lines. He's on he's on time with most of it. I thought I thought it was impressive. Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah, and he also uh, not only the stand-up, but he also did he did a rap battle again. I can't remember who he was going against, and it, I mean he did it better. Like it wasn't flawless by any means, but I'm, it was better than I would have done out there. I right. mean, he, he was he's a pretty sharp dude, I must say. Yeah, yeah, much respect for Gronk. I think uh, he's been uh, he's been living the life, and he doesn't doesn't care how people label him. But uh, yeah, no, he's no dummy. He's nice. He's very nice. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a word of his podcast, and we are dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. Again, if you have any questions you want answered on the mailbag, hit us up via email, rotavizradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter at rotavizradio using the hashtag RVMailbag. Josh, man, many thanks for carving out the time coming on the show. I know you got a big move and uh, things to do here, so uh, any last-minute plugs? No, that's it. Just check me out on Twitter and uh, definitely check out airyards.com. And uh, there's a drop down over there under uh, research and you can check out my book. That's the thing I'll be working on over the off season. Uh, got some new apps coming. Lots of fun stuff. Thanks, Jeremy. No, it's my pleasure. And uh, he's again on Twitter at Frisco Josh, um, potentially, maybe at Idaho Josh. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring, does it? Doesn't have the same ring to it. You know, I've actually, after I met uh, uh, John Elway on the field in uh, Sports Authority Stadium and uh, wore his ring, and now I'm a, I'm a Broncos fan now, so I really it should be like Denver, Josh. Yes. Um, uh, no, so anyway, it's not it has not too much to do with Idaho. Where you live is just a state of mind, right? It's uh, it's it's Rocky, Josh. There it is. It's Josh Rocky. Rocky. There it is. Rocky Hermsmeyer and uh, I'll stop blabbing we're going to go ahead and get out of here and please don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes it means a lot I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe okay bye Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Mailbag, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. 
Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.